This has been a fun series. I've been tracking it online and watching this uh, series on empire, and hopefully you've benefited from it and been growing. And I know that this is the final message in the series on Empire. And then there's that new one. I just love that trailer that we just watched. That is just awesome. My favorite part is the competitive deal. Or I, I laugh. I've watched that all morning every single time. And I still laugh because it cracks me up. Anybody else in here, you're competitive? Raise your hand right now if you're competitive. You know you are when you just raced right there to try and get your hand up first. You know that you're really... <laughs> competitive but some of us are really I mean for me I think about like even family game night you know it's still just like ruthless you know because you've got to win you could just be playing Monopoly anybody get in uh, intense competition in even family game night you get you get competitive like that some of you guys are so competitive you will like um, the quiet game you'll go for like weeks if you have to because you got to win uh, hold your breath the longest you'll pass out and die before you'll lose so it just depends on what it is. But I just want you to picture this with me because some of you can relate. Let's just say it's family game night and I'm playing. I got my, my uh, wife Casey there and my, my kiddos and we're around. And we're playing family game night. Let's say we're playing Monopoly. And let's say that I just happen to own a lot that's on the board, as is my custom. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, boardwalk. Let's say that I own that too. And then my wife Casey lands on boardwalk. You know, there's just no sweeter feeling. You know what I'm saying? Those of you that are competitive right now, you're not even playing. You're living vicariously through my game, which is just merely an in- illustration. But nonetheless, my wife landing on boardwalk. Boardwalk, there's something in you that went, <laughs> because that's how competitive you are. You just like that. And so when she does, I'm like, hey, what do you know? Bummer for you. You know, I own that right there. And she's like, look, I, I can't, you know, it's just how, how much? It's like, well, according to this right here, you owe me like, you know, $500,000. Like, so you owe me a lot. <laughs> you know, I don't have $5,000. So just, just roll. It's your turn. Just go. No, no, you landed on Boardwalk. <laughs> You land on boardwalk, so we kind of we gotta we gotta work through this one. We gotta figure it out. She's like, you look. I've already paid you all the money I have for all the other properties that I landed on. It's family game night. Just go. It's your turn, or it's a little girl's turn. You know, won't you let the little little six year old roll? And it's like, um, no, no, put the dice down, baby. This is hold on. <laughs> Mommy, daddy, working through something right here. I think what mommy's trying to say, everybody, is that mommy's game is over. So let's all give it up for mommy. Having a good try tonight. All right. Hey, hey, hey. See you next week. You know what? And so anyway, some of you right now, you're like, yeah, that's how you play. And it's so funny because we're talking about a board game. Paper money. Paper money. Like, 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 like monopoly money. And some of you are like, yeah, but it, it's a 500. You know, but it's a monopoly money. And, and so when you're getting it during the game, you're like, mm-hmm, yeah. But then at the end of the game is like you put it away have you ever seen anybody trying to sneak off after monopoly by going okay i'll just keep you never see that after monopoly because you get it it's a game but you're like living and acting like during the game like this is for real or something but then what happens you put all the money back you close the board up and you put it away and maybe i go walking in the kitchen and go hey babe what's what's for dinner and she's like why don't you take a walk on the boardwalk and go get something to eat out there? <laughs> oh, but what's so funny is how we get caught up in something that's short term and we make decisions in the moment like, no, no, I'll pay it. Then afterwards, like, hey, baby, you know, you can say boardwalk anytime you want to. You know, what's mine is yours. You know, it just changes all of a sudden. As we're talking about empire, I want to give you a study of contrast here. What do you think of when you think of empire? One is an earthly empire, but I want to talk to you about an invincible empire. One empire is like an empire built on wealth, 
built on all of this money, a financial empire, or figures or people or or businessmen or women who've built some huge corporation or they have uh, just all of these assets. And it caused me to start thinking about some people throughout history that we would look at and think, okay, that person is supposed to be indicative of some wealthy empire. And right now there's a guy getting a lot of attention in the news, Donald Trump, because he's running for president as he is. They're doing all of these uh, 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 interviews with him and stories on him. One of them, the big news lately is that they've uh, determined his value, his wealth, which is like a big deal when you're looking at somebody like Donald Trump. And so the federal regulators just recently released the details about his wealth and his uh, assets are estimated to exceed $1.5 billion. How many of you guys know that's a lot of money right there? When you're talking about $1.5 billion, That's almost as much as we spend on diapers in our family for our kids. That's a lot of money. He has approximately 391 entities that bear his name. So he has all of these different businesses from model agencies to to, uh, an ice skating park at New York's uh, 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 Central Square and Times Square, Central Park. He has all of this stuff that you look at and you go, his name, Trump Towers or casinos or boats or golf courses and all of this stuff. Some people may look at that and they may just say, man, Donald Trump, what an empire he has built. Estimated at $1.5 billion. Think about this, though. It's all relative. Sam Walton, the guy who started Walmart, his uh, peak fortune was estimated to be not $1.5 billion, but $64.5 billion. I mean, you know it's messed up when you're looking at Trump and, you know, it's like, ah, kid stuff. You know, that's way crazy. But Sam Walton was 64. What about a guy who has more than double? Bill Gates, the guy who founded Microsoft, is worth an estimated $136 billion. Look at that and go, that's crazy. Like, that's a lot of zeros. I don't even know how many. What about this guy who has more than double? Bill Gates or had John D. Rockefeller, who founded Standard Oil back in 1870. Listen to what his worth was estimated at being $336 billion. Like that stuff, you hear that and you go, I don't even know how you would begin to spend all of that money. What would you even spend it? Some of you are like, are, are you asking? Because I got some ideas right now. I mean, you, you really want to know? <laughs> but these guys had so much money. What do they all have in common, though? Well, they're filthy rich. Besides that, what do they all have in common? None of them did. If they've already passed away, or none of them will, if they're still alive, take one penny with them. When it's all said and done, I don't care if they've got money in both hands and all their pockets coming out of their mouth and their ears and they're walking around with it, it doesn't matter. When it's over, it's over. And that earthly empire crashes. Nobody came into this world holding any money. And nobody goes out. 
I mean, people can try. It was like the one guy who was so greedy. He had so much money. He loved his money, and he didn't want to part with his money. So he told his wife, whenever I die, I want you to follow strictly with my will. Do everything that it says to do. And she said, I'll honor your request. Time came. He passed away. She read the will, and she couldn't believe it. But in the will, he said he wanted to take his entire wealth, all of his money with him. He wanted it to be buried with him in the ground because he wanted it to go with him. She couldn't believe it. She was devastated. The family couldn't believe it. She told her friend about it. The friend's like, that's crazy. Surely you're not going to listen to that. Came time for the funeral. The, the wife went by to pay her final respects. And to the friend's shock and horror, she saw the lady pull something out of her purse and put it over in the coffin and walk away. And the friend came up and said, you did not just do that. You did not give that man that money. He's dead. He wouldn't even know. And she said, I have to be honest. I did. He asked me to do it, and I did. I wrote him a check, and I put it in that casket for him to go with him. It doesn't even matter if you try and take the money with you. You can't. In this world, we try and build empires to where we can acquire, we can conquer, we can gain, we can hold on, we can accumulate. But that's why today I want to talk to you about building an invincible empire, one that this world cannot take down, one that this world cannot stop. And so I'm talking about your time, I'm talking about your talent, and I'm talking about your treasure. Certainly you can apply this as we look at what do you do with the stuff that you've been given or you've acquired while here on earth? How do you use it? How do you spend it? What do you do with it? What's your mindset towards it? Because so many in our earthly understanding, we think it's about how much I can get. But when you look at God's word, you realize it's quite the opposite. It's turned upside down. It's about not living for the moment, but living for eternity. And not looking for what you can get, but learning to see what you can give. As a matter of fact, when you come to the passage that we're going to be looking at, it says it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 20 and 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That last verse again, look at it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what? You want to see somebody get really uncomfortable really fast, start talking to them about money. More specifically, start talking to them about their money. As a matter of fact, this is going to be a little uh, uh, group exercise here, a little interaction. So for those of you that are introverts or you just don't like the person you're seated next to right now, my apologies. But we got to play a game. Everybody turn and tell the person next to you, you're a great guy or a great gal. I really appreciate you. Go ahead and just tell them that. You're a great person. Now go ahead and turn to the other person on the other side and just say, you know what? I really care about you. I really do. I really like you. Go ahead and tell them. All right, now turn to either one of them right now and say, hey, give me $100. I'm looking across this room. I don't see anybody reaching for their wallet right now. Everybody's just like, I like you. I like Not that much. I mean, people get uncomfortable you start talking about money, especially if you, or not especially, I should say, but even if you start talking to people in the church. 
about money because some people have had bad experiences. They've heard of a ministry that abused generosity of the people. So I can get that. But can I tell you how cool it is when you realize that God's word speaking to money is not something that you, you should hyperventilate about. It's not something you should start going, he's preaching on money. Hey, hey, grab your purse, grab your wallet, hold on tight. I don't know where they're going with this. I don't even know. Go get the kids out of the nursery, start the car. Let's get out of here. This is not a message on, hey, people's church needs something from you. It's not something as if God is looking down going, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to pay the sun bill this month. I don't know how we're going to do it. Angels, all right, can you ride with me another week? I'll hook you up next week. I'm just running low. God does not need our money. This is not a series nor a message about what we can get, but it's about what we can give. It's about how can we lay up treasures in heaven. Do you realize that Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined? Why would he do that? Because he knows that the devil will try and use the traps of this world to keep you thinking about this instead of thinking about eternity. And if he can get us tripped up in thinking about the stuff of this world, he can successfully destroy whatever life we're trying to build, whatever legacy we're trying to leave. So Jesus recognized that and said, in order to think rightly about heaven or hell, I've got to make sure you understand, avoid the traps of this world, the greed, the self-centeredness, the selfishness, all of the earthly attractions that come along with building an earthly empire, be on guard. So he says in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, he would have been talking to a group of people that would have kept their money in some type of leather or cloth pouch or or a little sack or something. And so they would be familiar with wear and tear. And as a result of just time, after a while, it would start getting holes in it or not be able to hold securely to protect adequately their treasure their finances and so Jesus says you need to make sure that you're not putting all of your hope and all of your affection and all of that's valuable valuable to you in something that will not hold it will not take care of it don't store up for yourselves treasures that can be stolen there are different things that we can relate to, times that you would, you would try and, and work really hard for something or purchase something that you really wanted, and, and then you get that new car or whatever it was, and after a little while, it's not as cool and not as special as it used to be, or maybe you worked hard for something you really valued or you liked a lot, but then it was stolen from you or taken from you, and that was gone, or, or maybe this verse in Proverbs you can relate to. This may be a, a verse in Scripture that if you look at your Bible, you go, if there's any verse in all of Scripture that's true, it's that one right there but it's the verse that says cast but a glance at riches for they will surely sprout wings and fly away come on how many guys just say yeah I've seen that it happen in my life I get a paycheck it's like you can look at it and all of a sudden you just see it right there before your very eyes you're like my word It just doesn't seem to go very far. And so what Jesus is saying is don't get consumed. Don't get so engrossed and just all about something that does not last. It's monopoly money. He's saying think outside of the box. That's earthly treasure, earthly time, temporal, short term. James, the book of James says that life on this earth is like a vapor of smoke. It's here and then It's gone. Now, when I was a little kid, if you'd have said, man, life just goes by so fast, I'd been like, not when I'm waiting for Christmas, it doesn't. Not when I'm sitting in school. You know that feeling where you're just staring at the clock, and it just looks like it's not even moving? And you stare so long, it looks like it's going backwards. Do you know what I mean? 
But how many of you would agree the older you get, it seems like time is going faster. Life is going faster and faster. I'm starting to say all the things I used to hear my grandparents say and my parents say. And I'm looking at my own kids going, oh, put a brick on their head. They're growing up so much. And my little girl's about to turn 13. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. I'm starting to say all those little cheesy lines and everything that will go along with it. Why? Because the closer we get to the finish line, the faster it seems to be going. And we look at a verse like life is but a vapor of smoke is here and then it's gone and we're like I get that and Jesus says is life is so short and if eternity is so long why are you living your life consumed by this when the game is going to be over and you have not thought about this So he says, make sure that you don't spend all of your effort, your affection, your passion chasing stuff that is here. Like, I gave it all I've got for that right there. He's like, what about that? He says, don't lay up treasures on earth. But instead, it says, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's a contrast. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So you think in terms of worldly empires, wealthy people and all, and not all wealthy people are bad or trying to build some wicked empire. That's not the point. But the point is people who live for the moment acquire. I don't care how much it is. At some point it comes to an end. And Jesus is saying, if you want it to last, the only thing will last is what you invest in eternity. In other words, when you die, you don't take anything with you. But the only thing that you have to look forward to is what you already sent ahead. What does it look like? To lay up treasures in heaven. I mean, like, what's the address? How do you, how do you send that? Is there, is there a routing number or something that I can just set up my, my, my uh, recurring giving, you know, on that? Or what does it look like? Well, just a simple understanding of laying up treasures in heaven means that we are investing in God's eternal work. So for us as Christ followers, at the very beginning, it just begins with what you hear and what you've been taught here at People's Church called the tithe. The first 10% of all that God entrusts to us, we give it back to him as worship. You say, well, why not just save a step? Why didn't God just give me 90? Because whatever God gives you, he gives it to you to see how you're going to steward it. So he puts it in your hands for you to take it and say, Lord, I recognize that what I have is from you and for you. And as a statement, not only to you, but to me, so that I'm putting my heart and my mind on my treasure in heaven. Lord, I right out of the top, I give the first 10% right back to you that's the tithe that's why some of you have even set it up on reoccurring uh giving to to online to the people's church because you just say right out of the gate just like i pay my other bills i'm going to give that to the tithe to the church you say well i give and i help out these other places or these other not-for-profits or these other ministries the tithe belongs to the place that you worship just think about it in practical terms If I take my family to Taco Bell, which we do often, and if we go to Taco Bell and I enjoy the meal there, and as I'm walking out, I'm like, hey, this was fun. This was great. Thanks so much. I'm going to go on over here to McDonald's and pay for that meal. Okay, thank you very much. They'd meet me at the door because they think I'm making a run for the border. Come on. Anyway, so if I'm trying to get off, hey, that was just the Lord. I didn't have that in the other services. That was just for you right there. I just want you to know. 
But you say, that doesn't make sense that you would eat at Taco Bell and pay for it at McDonald's. But there are some people, they'll come to the table or this is their family. They'll come and they'll be here and they'll be here. But they think in order to give, they say, oh, I'll give. But you give in the storehouse. You bring it to the place where you worship. Now, beyond tithing, you can give in offerings. And that's where things come up to where God has spoken to you and he, he speaks something else to your heart that he wants you to invest in. Laying up treasures in heaven. Why? Because when you're doing that, it's not that God needs it. It's that, that God says, I'm allowing you to be a part of a miracle. So when you give to the day of hope, when you give your time, when you go and serve, when you use your gift set or your ability, or when you buy a backpack, you're thinking, I, I just bought a backpack. Not that big of a deal. Yes, it is. Because when you're investing in God's eternal work, it can look so natural. But you're taking it. You're saying, Lord, this is in your name and for your glory so that other people can find and follow Jesus. I give it in your name. And you know what the Word of God teaches us? He says that is laying up treasure in heaven. And literally, the Bible teaches us that there will be people who go to heaven instead of hell when we partner with God and He works through us. And so it's not that we're saving anybody. He does the saving, but we're partnering with Him. And it's as if it is credited to your account that He was using you for His glory. You and I just get to be a part of the miracle of the process. It's your offerings. So the first 10% tithe, above that offerings, you give towards something like um, PC Indy and the, and, the, and the church that's going to be launched there and how exciting that is. And some of you, God's already been speaking to your heart. You're like, Lord, I already tithed, but God is speaking to you. Instead of an empire that says, God, I'll give it, but it's like killing me to get it. Give it. Instead, you realize I'm laying up treasures in heaven. This is a privilege to be obedient with what God has entrusted to me. God, what do you want me to do with your money? All right, I'll invest in that. So some of you guys have been speaking to your heart, and you're going to do that. That's what it looks like to lay up treasures in heaven. And it says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why? Because it affects every single area of your life. See, Jesus knew that the enemy would be trying to lie to you and tempt you and get you so caught up in all of I mean, how, how many times we're just sitting there glued, you're watching the infomercial and you're like, I need that. I need that. You don't even know what it is. Shamu, wazoo. You, you're like, yeah, that, I don't even know what it does. But man, they've broken that down. Three easy installments. Anybody can do that. Hand me the phone. If you watch those things long enough, it'll like hypnotize you. Or you start going to the store, you'll get, you'll get such a great deal on stuff you never thought that you knew, needed, or wanted, or anything. But it's such a good deal. How can you pass up something like that? We can get so caught up in the newest and the latest and the greatest and to where they come out with a new model of the car or of the phone or whatever it is. And you're like, absolutely. I got to just keep going. Why? It's the traps of this world. I'm not saying anything wrong with having a phone, having a car, whatever. But I'm just saying that the trap is we get caught up in a few myths of the enemy. Let me give you a few of them. Three myths about money. Number one, three myths about money. Number one, the more I give, the less I'll have. In other words, the more I invest in God's work, the less I'm going to have to spend on myself. That is a lie. Even though naturally, I'll admit, it makes sense to my mind. If I have $5 and I give you 3 I only have $2 left, so I now have less. But how many of you know that there are spiritual laws, and spiritual laws always trump physical laws? I mean, there are some physical laws that you can break, and you can maybe get away with it. Like somebody today, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of you on your way today, let's just say that you 
exceeded the speed limit just a little bit. You are so excited to get to the house of God, you just, oh, my bad, officer. And so anyway, you could be exceeding, but maybe you did it. You came, you didn't even get caught. There was a physical law, do not speed or you will get a ticket. But you sped and you did not get the ticket. As it relates to spiritual laws, there's no way around them. There's no breaking a spiritual law. If God has decreed it, it's going to come to pass. And here's what he promised. It's not a negative, bad thing to you. It's a positive. Here's what he says. Everything that you invest in my work, I'm going to bless you back. You say, well, Lord, that doesn't make sense. Isn't that awesome? That when you obey God, he's not bound by our dollars or our cents. He's not bound by what we have or what we don't have. He says, I've given you what you already have. Will you trust me with it and do with it what I'm telling you to? Because here's what will happen. Whenever you invest in the Lord's work, he'll always bless you back. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that says, whoever, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. In other words, the more generous you are, the more blessings come back your way. So you might be saying, I'm going to take my shovel and shovel some blessings into the kingdom of God. And you're giving all that you can. You're doing the best that you can. You're being obedient. You know what happens? God starts shoveling right back your way. And how many guys know that God shovels a lot bigger than ours? So we're saying, Lord, this is what I'm doing. This is what... I remember one time our family felt prompted to give and, and bless a family. And for us, it was a big deal. For some of you, this would be like nothing. But for us, it was a really, really big deal. We felt like we were supposed to give this family $500. And so we stepped out and we honored the Lord and we gave it. And it was the craziest thing. I, w- I was out to eat and I had a guy walk up to me. I didn't know the guy. I had a guy walk up to me. And uh, he said, hey, I felt like the Lord wanted me to do something for you. And I said, Okay. And he pulled out and he gave them to me. Well, he didn't do it all the time. He just gave me a, a wad of money. And I was like, you know, you don't want to be there in that moment. Like, oh, thanks, man. What are we talking here? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this one's like, oh, that doesn't matter. That's good. I just appreciate you. No, the money doesn't mean anything. But your heart, that means a lot. Okay. Oh, my word. How much that money? I got to the car and it was a $100 bill. One, two, three, four, five. $500. Now think about this. I wasn't rich. I was just really technically there in the moment back where I started. But how many guys know I was a lot further down the road and a lot more ahead in the game than I really was because I had grown. I had partnered with God, had blessed a family. God used that to do who knows what. And then God's like, that's nothing. And that was just the start of God saying, watch what I'll do for you in ways that you don't know. You don't even understand. He's faithful. He's able. The more I give, the less I'll have. That's a lie. Second myth. The more I have, the happier I'll be. Come on, don't shout me down right now, but you know it to be true. The more I have, the happier I'll be. In life, the more we get, the less it is easy to be content or thankful. Watch someone who was raised with everything. Anything they ever wanted, they get it. Anything you want, to get it. And look, and you'll find one of the most miserable people in the world. But find someone who had to work hard, who had to appreciate when needs were met and things like that. And, and watch when they receive something, they'll be so thankful, so full of gratitude, so full of joy. Have you ever noticed that some of the people who are the happiest are some of the people who have the least? You ever noticed that before? Why is it? The devil wants us to think the more I have, the happier I'll be. But the reality is the more stuff you have, the more stuff has you. 
So Jesus says, lay up treasures in heaven. Here's a third myth. When I have more, then I'll give more. I mean, there are people who could shout me down in this service today and be like, that's so good. And you know, let me tell you something, preacher. I'm waiting. As soon as I hit the lottery, whoo, I'm on tithe. You know what? It's going to come on in. As soon as I get some more, I'm going to be able to do more. You know what? That's a myth. I mean, giving historically and looking statistically, would you believe it that the people who have the least amount give the highest percentage? It's really true. The people who have less give a greater percentage of it. But the more someone gets, the harder it is to let go of it. But you just need to remember that you can never, ever outgive God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Why does God love it when you are living a generous life and having fun doing it? Well, he loves a cheerful giver the same reason you and I do. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, I heard it's your birthday. I didn't want to do anything about it. My, my wife made me, so here. <laughs> You're like, thank you, Mr. Happy. You know, thank you very much. But if somebody comes up and says, I couldn't wait to bless you with this. I've been thinking about you, and I, I just thought that this would mean something to you. I couldn't wait to give it to you. That just means so much more when you receive it. You know what? If, 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 if you think that God is impressed when we drop something in the bucket, Really? He's looking at our hearts. You know what he loves is when we give cheerfully. You know why he loves a cheerful giver? Because when we're giving cheerfully, we recognize a couple of things. Number one, we recognize that he owns it all. We realize, Lord, this isn't mine. This is yours. So what do you want me to do with your resource? You've placed it in my hand. How can I use it for your glory? And then when God speaks something to you, it's not hard to give it. Because if I gave you a $20 bill and said, hey, my sweetheart, Bria girl, is right over here. I want you to go ahead and give her my $20. You're like, okay, great. Hey, this was your dad's. Wanted you to have it. Right? But how ridiculous would it be if I say, hey, here's my $20. Hold on to it. I'm going to tell you what to do with it in a minute. And then I said, hey, go ahead and take that $20 over to Bria. And you're like... Well, you know what? I like it and everything, Scotty. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something nice and go ahead and give her a dollar or two. Just thank me later. I'd be like, well, that's cool, except for that was my money, and I entrusted it to you. Do you think that God is impressed when we go, thanks? Tell you what I'm going to do, just because I'm nice. You did die on the cross for my sin and everything, so tell you what. I'll drop something in the bucket from time to time when it's convenient. Or what if instead the attitude of your heart was, my life is yours, my talent is yours, my treasure is yours. Lord, I realize all that I have is because you've blessed me with it. So Lord, lead me to invest, to give in a way that honors you. I wonder how God can multiply your investment of his resource when you follow his strategy. What can happen if we have fun blessing other people, investing in God's work, being faithful with tithe? I wonder what God is about to pour out on your life. I think he can't wait. I think he's so ready. He just wants you to obey his word. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for heaven. And we're getting closer and closer with every day. 
once we cross the line from here on this earth into heaven, how long will it take before you would say in heaven, every dollar that I gave, it was worth it? Think it'll take you a year before you say that? Think it'll take you an hour? And you go, okay, I'm convinced. It was worth it. When you see people who are reached through things like Day of Hope, or through like different campuses that are being spread literally across our nation as God's working through this ministry. How long do you think it'll take? I think probably like a second into it. We're going to be think, thankful for every, every minute we served, every dollar that we gave. Now, I might be a little disappointed that I didn't give more. But you'll never regret being generous. God will bless you both here now. And he will bless you forevermore. Build an empire that's invincible. Lay up treasures in heaven.